This episode is brought to you by WeatherGuard Lightning Tech. At WeatherGuard, we make wind turbine lightning protection easy. If you're a wind farm operator, stop settling for damaged turbine blades and constant downtime. Get your uptime back with our strike tape lightning protection system. Learn more in today's show notes or visit weatherguardwind.com slash strike tape. Welcome back. I'm Alan Hall. I'm Dan Blewett, and this is the Uptime Podcast, where we talk about wind energy, engineering, lightning protection, and ways to keep your wind turbines running. All right, welcome back to the Uptime Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dan Blewett. No Alan Hall today. He'll be back with us in a couple of weeks, but we have a great guest today, Paul Dawson, Vice President of Business Development from EOCycle will be here with uh, with us for a great conversation. So our talk today is about distributed wind. EOCycle is a distributed wind company. They sell their flagship uh, wind turbine is the EO25, a 25 kilowatt model that can provide power for about 10 to 15 homes, but they're not really in the residential market. They're really in the small business market, specifically targeting lots of farms in the Midwest and in other areas where a small wind turbine is going to work. So distributed wind is an interesting segment of uh, the wind energy market. We want to talk to someone about it so we could get a, a feel for, you know, the, the, the smaller space that GE and Siemens Gamesa and Vestas really aren't paying much attention to. So, you know, if you if you float around social media, uh, Twitter, YouTube, you'll see lots of really interesting designs uh, whether it's these traffic vertical turbines, which is a new prototype out of Turkey, or any of these little things where we're trying to capture excess energy, you know, wave, uh, wave power is a thing, right? We're trying to find ways to squeeze more energy out of the world, essentially. And so small wind is a sort of like mid-range solution for that, right? It's not this tiny thing that's going to do one kilowatt a year. It's it's a pretty significant solution for small businesses um, and, and farms as, as one of their main target markets. So Paul is a uh, wind energy lifer. He's been uh, in the industry for the past 15 years, uh, currently again with EOCycle as vice president of business development, but he's also worked for uh, Switching Gears. Uh, he was the director of business development and sales for Northern Power Systems, and he was also the global sales manager of energy systems, to name a few. So really great conversation, and I think you're really going to enjoy it on Distributed Wind. So without further ado, let's jump to our conversation with Paul Dawson. Hey, Paul. So thanks for joining us on the show. I really appreciate it. Great to be here. So let's jump right into it. Uh, you know, EOCycle, I, I kind of mentioned this on our last podcast. I think the distributed wind sector is really interesting. So you guys are in distributed wind. Uh, can you just quickly speak to the difference between distributed wind and, and big wind and, uh, you know, what kind of that, that market is that you guys are, are going after? Sure. So I'm intimately aware of these differences, having worked in both, uh, both sides of uh, this industry. Uh, the big wind industry is all about, and I know your podcast is all about this, it's the wholesale markets, uh, it's large-scale developers, uh, large wind turbines. The distributed wind industry is focused on um, customers generating their own electricity for their own use, for use on-site. And so that's a fundamental difference. We're not selling into the wholesale markets. Uh, you've probably heard the expression before, you know, spinning your meter backwards to uh, offset the electricity that you are that would, you would otherwise be purchasing from the electric grid and in doing so uh, you will uh, reduce your electric bill save money uh, gain in energy independence so this sounds like this is the same market as like solar has like my parents you know a salesman came out to them a number of years ago said hey your house looks perfect for solar you guys have lots of sun we've done a study in the area um, would you want solar to reduce your costs over time? Is that sort of like the corollary? Like, is this similar to to what solar has done in the past? But obviously, you guys aren't necessarily going after residential, right? Uh, yes, it's actually a, a great uh, a great analogy. Uh, in our case, though, we tend to work in rural settings uh, versus suburban or uh, urban settings, and that's the the key difference. We we really go where the wind is. Gotcha. 
So tell me about that. So obviously, like the Midwest, I lived there for the past uh, most of the past nine years, and there's a, a massive uh, commercial wind farm out in, in McLean County, Illinois. Some wonderful people mm-hmm. uh, still out there. And at night, as you're driving down, uh, I guess it's 66 or no Route 70. Man, it's only been a year mark for already forgetting, but you can see these like 200 turbines all have their red uh, aviation obstruction lights flash at night. It's the craziest, craziest sight. So obviously there's a ton of land out there, um, and some of it's bought up by commercial. Um, mm-hmm. But you're saying that some of these smaller farms, they could just do their own power off the grid, or not necessarily off the grid, but they could be self-sufficient. Exactly. So, uh, and it is a good point. The, the question of on-grid or off-grid uh, is one that comes comes up a lot. A lot of people think that when you get a wind turbine, oh, you're suddenly completely disconnected. Uh, while it is possible, uh, there's a lot more technology that needs to go into that in storage, and we are working on that, uh, on a, on an offering to to bring that to the market. Uh, but the easiest and fastest way is to simply connect it to the grid and reduce a portion of the electricity that you use. So when the wind turbine is spinning and you need electricity, you'll take that electricity as a priority. Uh, when the wind turbine is spinning and you don't need all of the electricity, it's pushed back onto the grid. And depending on the policy, uh, that will determine what the value of that electricity is. Maybe you get a, a credit, a kilowatt hour credit. Uh, you may get some money. It may be a retail rate. It may be a wholesale rate, uh, but you'll get some sort of credit. And if the wind turbine is spinning, you're taking all the electricity and you need even more than that, well, you'll just buy the difference from the electric from the grid, from the mm-hmm. provider. So going back to like uh, solar as an analogy, solar's gotten a lot cheaper over the years. Um, how has the cost, uh, you know, does it change a lot based on geography? Like if you put a wind farm up in Indiana or, or mm-hmm. I misspoke, if you put a, you know, a wind turbine on a farm in Indiana, is that going to be similar in cost to a wind turbine on a farm in Minnesota or North Dakota? Mm-hmm. So while project cost, costs don't vary uh, tremendously from one region of the country to another, what does dif- uh, is different are two things that really influence uh, the uh, the return on investment, your payback. Um, one of those is the electric rate, so what you pay for your electricity. So that's because that effectively is the value of the electricity that your uh, turbine is generating. That's what you're offsetting. Uh, so that will be an, an important factor. And the second one is the wind speed. And unlike uh, solar, uh, that is much more regional, right? You'll have in certain areas of the country where you'll have a certain solar resource, and it's more or less the same everywhere in that area. Uh, wind energy uh, is uh, very dependent upon the wind speed. The amount of energy in the wind, it's a cubic function, so uh, a doubling of the wind speed in, is, in theory, uh, eight times your, uh, the output. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in practice, it's a little bit less than that, but the point remains the same. Uh, and that is that finding the windy spots is critical to um, siting your wind turbines and picking picking your markets. Gotcha. So in, in, here in the U.S., uh, it's there, there, is, there are windy spots all over the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, but down the middle of the country, uh, in the, the Great Plains, Midwest, uh, there is an awful lot of wind. And uh, I always like to say, you know, you can tr- almost drop a wind turbine out of the sky and it will land in a windy spot. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. That's one of the key differences is it snows at my window here in D.C. It's like 30 probably outside and not that windy, whereas in Chicago, uh, near where I used to live, it's probably zero and snowing sideways. So <laughs> lots of wind generation out there. Um, yeah. So... You, you've worked in big wind for a long time. Can you speak uh, a little bit about your about your past? And because I want to get back to the differences between the physical um, devices. I know obviously there's a big difference between a right. commercial wind turbine and your technology at EOCycle. So um, tell me how you know your your path a little bit through the industry, and then let's get back to um, you know the differences here. Sure. Well, the big break I, I had was with a company called NRG Systems, uh, which was uh, the global leader in wind measurement. Uh, equipment. And they work with all of the major developers around uh, large-scale wind, utility-scale wind developers around the world. Uh, I was their global head of sales and got to interact and uh, learn all about uh, the challenges and opportunities of utility-scale wind development in markets on far-flung places and domestically. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a real, a real um, learning experience that was, uh, was fantastic. It was a great company uh, and uh, really just gave me the, the per- perspective and the background I needed to understand uh, the big wind space. Uh, there was another company in, and this was in Vermont, and, and at the time there's another company in Vermont uh, that was working in the distributed wind space, and they were leading the market uh, at that time. And I'd opened, I saw an opportunity, and I said, and these guys had an idea to uh, try to bring this distributed uh, wind to markets all over the place. I thought, hey, this is a, I could I could transition into this, uh, and uh, we could see some of the same growth curve. Uh, that things uh, they struggled uh, financially and uh, ended up uh, leaving there, but uh, found a company called uh, EOCycle that I'm with uh, today, and. Uh, they actually found me, and uh, we uh, started working together. And this is uh, this is a company uh, that is that had the vision, uh, the exact vision that I had for the small wind industry. I didn't realize they were they were doing this. And so when when we spoke, it was like, okay, we're doing this. And the concept essentially is to bring the uh, the rigor uh, and and the technology and the learnings of the big wind industry and scale that down into the small scale distributed space so that that can be deployed at volume. Right? Mm-hmm. There's huge, huge opportunity in the distributed wind space uh, that has not been tapped yet, right? And unlike solar that has seen some exponential growth, the small wind uh, space is just at the very beginning of um, this curve. Uh, and there's so much opportunity, right? The Distributed Wind Energy Association has identified 49 million sites in this just in this country where uh, that small wind could be deployed and at the moment it's just a, a, a tiny tiny fraction of that where that's been uh, uh, that's been a, the projects have gone in so uh, there's a huge opportunity to do that but the industry has largely uh, been uh, for the last it's been around for a long time it's been um, um, bumping along I'll say for 30 plus years and there's been some some very passionate and and very uh, smart uh, engineers and people in this industry have really given it all, um, but I think now it's time uh, for uh, some new some new energy um, and perhaps some uh, additional perspectives to help drive this uh, at scale. And that's really what needs to happen, and to to uh, bring this really this to fruition because there's just so much. Uh, and there's, it's really, there's a, and there's a huge need, right? Uh, or a huge demand, I should say. Uh, distributed wind is increasingly popular. Used to be more of a environmentalist, green, lefty kind of thing. And now that, you're that seeing- That quirky guy uh, has, a, has, a, has a windmill on his, on his site. Yeah. Exactly. Now mm-hmm. it's, it's going mainstream. Uh, it's gone across the political divide, right? You've got people, it has it's doing less and less uh, to do with uh, politics. It just makes sense. Um, but what there needs to be are good solutions, uh, turnkey, easy to use, you know, plug and play kind of stuff that just works. And uh, that's what we're trying to, uh, that's what we are bringing uh, to the market here today. Well, and so there's some key differences in the technology too that seem so to make it a little more friendly for, mm. you know, potentially like small islands and some really remote places. Uh, and obviously, we talked about that. There was a, yeah. a different technology called Typhoon Turbine, which I'm not sure how their company is doing. We'll probably have to check up on, on that. They had a really interesting, unique design. I think, I think they were also maybe a vertical axis, which I know those designs have had some uh, trouble in the past. But mm-hmm. yours is, is, is durable to, in the sense that it's, it's fold down. It doesn't have a gearbox. It's maintenance sealed, uh, hydraulic motor. Um, can you talk a little bit more about... Uh, you know, the, the physical attributes of uh, the EOCycle EO25 and why that might sure. be suited for some of these tough environments right. that you probably couldn't plop down. You couldn't throw down a, a three megawatt, um, you know, turbine out of a, out of a helicopter, like, like you said. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was, so we quickly realized uh, several years back when, when making, uh, preparing the next generation of our wind turbine, uh, that's, we needed to have an extremely robust and low maintenance turbine, right? Unlike wind farms where you have maintenance crews uh, nearby or ready to, to come in at any moment, small wind turbines, 
can't can't support financially can't support a large amount of maintenance. So we had to uh, come up with something that would still have a great amount of output, uh, but would greatly simplify the wind turbine. So we looked at the components uh, that had the greatest failure rates, and we tried to one by one uh, tackle those. So one of those uh, uh, was blade pitching. Uh, so we we have gone with a stall design uh, blade. So essentially what we've done uh, just broadly is try to remove remove as much as possible moving components. Mm-hmm. And so as you mentioned, generator is sealed, fixed pitch baits, uh, direct drive, so no, no gearbox, sealed uh, generator. And then uh, as you mentioned again, we uh, we now use uh, a tilt-up tower design an 80, on an 80-foot tower. And that uh, that allow, really allows you to go into a lot of uh, more remote places, but also even in very accessible places, it reduces your your costs, your project costs, no, and does not cause any disturbance on, let's say, a farmer's land. Um, and if you have maintenance, it's easy. You can send a couple guys; they can tilt down the turbine, and uh, this all contributes to reducing the number of visits. Or if you do have to visit, keep that cost. Uh, very low and it's just your annual preventative maintenance yeah and so that seems like one of the the main deterrents people would have they say all right so i'm gonna have this tower that i'm gonna be now responsible for on my wind farm like what if this thing you know acts up it's not working like i'm not going up there and now we got to call yeah. some that seems like a really expensive obviously we know how much um training you know people need to go mm-hmm. up these things it's it's expensive to have a crew out there so it seems like you guys have been working hard to to mitigate those from the beginning. One of the key uh, changes that we made, uh, again, a few years back, was to move from being just a turbine manufacturer, a technology provider, to a solutions provider. We now offer a turnkey solution. Uh, so it, customers uh, don't need to become wind experts, right? That was a key. And I think that's essential to... Uh, to, for others to do the same in the industry, uh, there there isn't the the industry maturity yet or the the, the network yet um, where you could have multiple players. Nor can the uh, the um, market economics support it. So uh, it was a great move. Uh, we haven't regretted it, and uh, it's been going very well for us. Uh, again, it's just this idea of you know customer comes in, we'll we'll evaluate the win for them. We'll do all the technical uh, pieces. Uh, the analysis, the siting, get them to sign off on it, and then it's uh, uh, we take care of the uh, development cycle, uh, the permitting process, the construction, and then they sign a maintenance contract uh, with us, and uh, we'll take care of the full life life cycle. So they really just need to watch their watch their electric bills and see how much they save. Gotcha. And then you guys have two turbines. So you have the EO25, which is like your, I'd say your flagship mm-hmm. model, and then you have yeah. the new Zant line. So that's from a company mm-hmm. that you guys acquired. Is that right? Right, right. So uh, thanks for mentioning that. Uh, we have been talking about the 25 kilowatt, and that's uh, still primarily the, the wind turbine that we're, uh, that we're selling here in the U.S. Uh, as it is certified, so it's eligible for the tax credit. Uh, but we have added the Zant line, and it's 100 kilowatt wind turbine, uh, Belgium a company from Belgium, and uh, with a lot of the same uh, philosophy and approach uh, to their wind turbines, and we now see an opportunity. We saw an opportunity uh, to bring a larger wind turbine, right? Unlike solar, where you can scale with easily with a number of panels. If you have a farm that has a large uh, energy demand, um, it's it's uh, you can't just uh, easily scale up your turbine, obviously. So uh, adding 100 kilowatt to uh, our quiver is uh, is something we're really excited about uh, and will uh, open the door to just so many more farms uh, or businesses that can benefit from, from our wind turbine. And there'll be a bigger, a bigger kilowatt output. Is that right? It's a 100 kilowatts. Yeah. Gotcha. So what, let, let's yeah, talk a little bit about the, uh, the output there. So what size, you know, if it's a small business or mm-hmm. like a dairy farm or something, whatever it is, what, how, how, how far does 25 kilowatts go? Right. Right. So, it's a size that we chose um, really because it's uh, it's 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 too large for residential, uh, and while there is a lot of a market for that, we felt that um, uh, it would be best to go into a slightly higher uh, consumer energy consumer, uh, where we can benefit from some of some of the economies of scale of scale of scaling up a turbine, reducing your cost, mm-hmm. or we could be more competitive, uh, but not so big that there were. Uh, 
very few and far between, yeah. you know, the, your customers were very far, few and far between. And so this was uh, the happy medium when we started with the 25 kilowatt. Uh, but, uh, and, and the target market uh, uh, has really been in, in the U.S., really the farms, right? That's where you have the right combination of energy usage. Um, small, medium-sized farms is really for 25 kilowatt wind turbines, livestock farms in particular tend to use a lot more electricity. Uh, and farms in general now, as they electrify, uh, are, are really using more, more electricity than ever or will be uh, in the coming years. Um, large farms were not as good of a fit, right? And that's where the 100 kilowatt, uh, well, I should say not a good of a fit. You could use it without any difficulty, but uh, you're not offsetting as high of a percentage yeah. of your energy use, right? So it's not as, mm -hmm. it's not as uh, exciting for them. Um, but now we'll have now we have another another option. But right, it is it is this uh, this commercial rural businesses and farms are really uh, that right size. It's about uh, it's about uh, five ten, 10, 15 homes. Okay, uh, yeah, that is a lot. I mean, it depends on the wind speed and so on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, that makes sense. Um, so, if you guys were going to go after other markets, like like you said, like a small island that's maybe running off a diesel generator. Um, you know, will this be a situation where they, you know, throw down 10 of them or, you know, how does that, and I guess my other question here is, mm. you know, you guys are really starting this, this push for distributed wind in, in the U S especially with 49 million different sites where you could put a, a, a distributed wind turbine. Where do you start? That seems like an overwhelming market where you're like, uh, you know, where should our, our sales force go first? Right. Right. And, and you're right. There is a lot of opportunity out there. Uh, and all sorts of markets and, and sub niches, and uh, uh, it is a, it is a bit overwhelming. And uh, frankly, we we have narrowed our focus uh, more and more. You hear me talking here a lot about farmers or farmers, as because mm -hmm. I just keep thinking farms. But really, it's not just farms, right? There, there's plenty of opportunity uh, in all kinds of other sites. Uh, we think that uh, farming is a very is a, it's a white space, right? There's a it's an it's an underserved. Uh, hugely underserved portion of uh, the energy market. Uh, solar and it's largely suburban and urban settings is not, is not out in these rural spaces as much. Uh, and it takes a lot of space. Uh, farms don't wanna take up their farmland. Mm -hmm. And one of, one of our uh, 25 kilowatt wind turbines will generate the equivalent of about uh, three and a half to four NBA tennis full-size basketball courts of solar panels. That's the equivalent. Uh, so in terms of energy, in terms of energy output. So from a land use perspective, uh, that's, uh, that can be significant, right? So we've just, so farms are, are really is a niche that we've gone after and we see a huge, and there's also a lot of farms out there, right? It's hundreds mm -hmm. of thousands of farms that uh, could benefit uh, from a wind turbine. So we've selected that niche. It's not the only niche. But you're right. We did have to focus on that, uh, and we do get inquiries, and we'll serve anyone from who was ready to put up a wind turbine. But uh, you do have to you do have to have some focus. Uh, this island opportunity that you mentioned uh, and, and microgrids is is fascinating, and we do have a small team working on that uh, with uh, and working on integrating again turnkey full solution. Uh, uh, Complete uh, complete energy storage solutions integrated with the wind turbine. Uh, that's going to be ready real real soon. Uh, we're really excited about that. And that's but that's a whole other game. Uh, mm -hmm. There is so there's huge opportunity. But anyways, I think I'm not uh, answering your question about uh, uh, how to address some of the energy needs of these remote locations. Those um, those are interesting challenges. Now again, you're right. They're they're typically working on on uh, generating their electricity using diesel generators, which on a per kilowatt hour basis is often 50 cents to more than a dollar per kilowatt hour. Holy, which that's is, a lot. Yeesh. Yeah, so you know, you're talking, right? I mean, five, 10 times what, what we're used to paying, right? Mm -hmm. Depending on where you are. Uh, so costs are very high, but of course, accessibility is difficult. Uh, and uh, land potentially may be difficult. There's it can be lots of logistical uh, challenges. So the, the the answer is is in terms of finding the best solution. Is it depends. You really do have to look at uh, the site. You know, does it make more sense? Is it easier? Is it more feasible to bring in 
more small wind turbines that fit, easily fit into uh, containers or uh, do we go with one larger one that's more logistically challenging? You have to look at it on a case by case, but this so it makes these projects a lot more uh, customized, um, typically a lot more complex, um, but the impact is also uh, extremely, uh, extremely high and it's significant. Yeah, well, so like the financing piece, let's talk about that a little bit. So like, you know, one of these small islands, I assume that they would, they'd probably be willing to pay such a huge price per kilowatt hour because what, they just don't have a ton of money in a you know, local municipality to throw down a couple hundred thousand for a longer term solution that's going to pay for itself over time. Um, and I assume that's probably the case with some farms, right? Too Lots of farms do well, some really struggle, right? It's a really... I think it's up and down depending on the area and, and the crop in here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and the subsidies and the current administration, whichever one it is. So, I mean, how how challenging is financing for some people that might be interested? Yeah, financing is a challenge, uh, and that that's really for the distributed energy space in general. We are seeing the the uh, options, or the I should say the mainstream financial markets slowly starting to move into the space. Uh, we've seen it particularly at the residential uh, scale, um, but now we're seeing uh, more and more interest at, at, at all levels, right? And, and from the mainstream players. Uh, so the while I'm not completely happy with the financing options that are on the table today, it's certainly a lot better than just say five years ago or even two or three years ago. Uh, where it was very challenging, right? Uh, now there are state programs. Uh, you've got the uh, uh, conventional banks players that are starting to offer uh, products uh, to allow that. You've got uh, you've got uh, different departments, Department of Agriculture, and things like this that are, that are not necessarily directly related, uh, offering uh, financing programs or uh, signing off uh, loan guarantees and, and all kinds of different programs that are making it a lot more accessible. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, we've also uh, we do also offer what we call our wind lease, right, where customers don't have to put any money down, and they can uh, get get into a, a program where it's a lease to own. Hmm. Um, they don't need to have the tax uh, appetite to use the federal investment tax credit, uh, and it's all built into built into the lease. So what is, what is the, the current incentives um, here in the U.S. and what's your outlook now that uh, the Biden administration is in power? Mm-hmm. So at the moment, uh, in the distributed space, uh, the investment tax credit versus the PTC uh, production tax credit uh, makes more sense. Some the numbers uh, pencil out pencil out better. Uh, that uh, has currently been it's been extended for. Uh, Another two years, uh, which was uh, great news. We welcome that news, and that really mm-hmm. gives us a, a little bit more uh, runway uh, as we try to uh, build out to very high volumes, uh, which we're, we're on a track to do here right now. Um, but we're still relatively in the early in the early days. So really, really optimistic uh, that they're at, at this point. I mean, again, someone my personal opinion here, but I feel like. Uh, there's a lot of reason, a lot of reason to be optimistic. Uh, I think there could be. Uh, we're seeing discussions about increased financing uh, through the Department of Energy, uh, USDA, uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, uh, in addition to discussions about uh, continued discussions about doing even more with the federal investment tax credit. Uh, there's even been some rumors, uh, uh, or just there has been discussions. I know about uh, bringing back uh, the, the uh, grant option mm-hmm. uh, where uh, it's, it's actually, you can get it in a check, which would be fantastic for customers like ours, our farmers, which as you said, have cyclical uh, financials, right? And, and don't necessarily have the tax appetite in this, in any given year. Yeah. Hmm. So, and do some of these come from Department of Energy, others, uh, I mean, there's programs from the USDA, I mean, what are some of the ways where performers like I really want to make this happen um, that they can do that? Is are there any other government programs that are maybe upcoming or anything on the horizon? Well, I think, frankly, of course, uh, any industry that that wants to take off uh, 
uh, needs a needs a boost right to get started and and there are some programs out there right now we're still not on level playing field with uh with their conventional uh, old school energy sources um, but there are some interesting incentives frankly if i were to um, ask for anything right now i'd say let's solidify what we have in place make that bring some reassurance to the markets stop making this a, a constant uh, battle to get extensions uh, this remove this uncertainty, right? Yeah. Um, bring clarity to the programs. If we can do the grant, let's do the grant because this it, just make it easy and predictable, right? Um, that's really the uh, the biggest thing that we can do. And so I think again, that's one of the things I'm excited about in the Biden administration. Uh, he's uh, he's mentioned one of the things that stuck with me is he said, you know, this is not a time for small measures, and uh, when it comes to climate change. And I, I, I agree with him on that point. Uh, and uh, this, is the kind of, this is the kind of thinking that we need to say, okay, let's stop uh, messing around with these, um, uh, these incentives that are not here for the long term. And makes it very make, because it makes it very difficult for us to, uh, to plan in a very long time, on a long time scale, yeah. right? And to do, uh, and so right now, we're, we're happy with what's there. It, we have a very good runway in front of us. I'm optimistic that that runway is going to be uh, uh, extended or even improved in terms of the opportunities. Um, but yeah, certainty would be would be my uh, one ask. Yeah. So I know one of the things that's that's interesting is the um, you know some of the people who are against wind power, and it seems like it's for various reasons. Sometimes it's aesthetics. Sometimes people are like, you know, they fear it's hurting their property values. Sometimes it's uh, the cry against uh, wild, you know, wildlife. That they're saying it's, yeah, you know, it's killing birds and bats and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and some of that messaging is falls under the misinformation. Right? There's been a lot of mm -hmm. new studies coming out that you know birds are not really significantly harmed, especially when you compare it to uh, oil and gas. There's a number of studies that are starting to show that it's not as big a concern, and a lot of that's misinformation. Of course, there are a lot of environmental concerns, and we don't know everything today that. You know, 30 years, we might figure out, yeah, this this was something that this industry did or that industry did that we thought was safe then. And we've, you know, over time proven now, I think Oreos is my favorite example. You know, remember when they put hydrogenated oil in Oreos and later learned that it was like <laughs> terrible for us? You know, so many I ate so many Oreos when I was a kid. Um, but is there is there much pushback for the distributed wind sector like i know there's a lot of pushback on um not a lot but there's a, a, a there can be a loud minority voice um against you know putting wind turbines in someone's local area um is it the same for distributed wind so generally uh here in the u.s um we're well re well received right this is uh, in some global markets we see more challenges with that uh, in the UK, where uh, there's a longer history of, of wind in it, wind energy, mm -hmm. and there's there has there we do see some more resistance. Uh, but overall, um, this is one of the this is why this is a great time to be doing distributed wind energy. We're seeing a, a far greater acceptance, right? And in, and in the last even in the last twelve months, uh, the amount of pushback uh, is really really decreasing, right? As I said, it's just it's just a broad understanding and, and, and realization that, hey, distributed energy is part of the mix, right? This is, this is part of the answer. And so uh, we do see still, we still see, you know, we'll see one person at the permitting meeting or something out of, but you know, it's like one, right? And they'll typically be drowned out uh, or corrected if they're um, spewing false information. Uh, so it's, I'd say several years back, that was a bigger concern. It's, mm -hmm. it's not, uh, I don't see it. Uh, it's not a major concern front and center for us right now. Uh, and I think it's, uh, it's trending in the right direction, right? The information's getting out there and you know what, nothing is better than just seeing wind turbines out there and yeah. uh, getting experience and realizing that a lot of the things that people had heard or perhaps been afraid of are just simply not true. Yeah, that was my next question was, you know, uh, do you have to have messaging campaigns? Like if you go to, you know, Farmer John, do you have to go to Farmer Sally and Farmer Tim and fa Farmer Rick down the street and sort of gain community support? Like you might have to for a, a big win site, right? But it sounds like you probably don't need to do that. And people are probably just becoming more comfortable over time. 
Right. Well, and again, this is a different scale, right? These are, mm -hmm. we call it farm scale, right? So we, when you're talking about an 80 foot wind turbine, uh, this will fit into an existing yeah. landscape, right? It, 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 it fits in well. You're not impacting people in, uh, a mile away. Um, they'll see, you know, they'll see it the way they see the other buildings. So, uh, and from a permitting perspective and, and interconnections uh, permitting perspective, things are much simpler. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, well, in some cases, it depends on the, on the county or the region, there'll be different procedures to do that. Uh, but generally speaking, that's a much less involved uh, because it's just much less of an, of an impact. Yeah. Gotcha. So uh, what other companies are in the space? I mean, is there a lot of competition mm -hmm. in, in distributed wind? Obviously even in, uh, you know, big commercial wind, there's not that many, you know, uh, OEMs. Mm -hmm. There's Siemens Gamesa, there's GE, there's, um, you know, there's Vestas, uh, and then overseas, there's a, a larger presence, you know, like Suzlon and Goldwyn and others. But, um, you know, what, what are, where are your main competitors? Right. Well, it's uh, maybe a surprise to hear this, but we don't actually focus on our competitors. Uh, well, first of all, there are very few of them. Uh, there are several little players out there uh, that are trying to make a go at it, um, but they're in early stages. Their turbines are not certified, right? And we're, we're taking this uh, with the mindset that we want to be able to scale this to a, a large scale um, to volume, right? So to do that, you need to have uh, robust wind turbines, right? Doing four or five or 10 or whatever. It's just, it's just not the, the end game. So when you, when you look at, okay, who's ready to really attack this market in a big way? Uh, there are extremely few. So I don't worry too much about, we don't worry about our competitors at all. In fact, I'd love to see anybody that's out there have success right now, mm -hmm. uh, because uh, I, I think it's a, this is a moment uh, where the rising tide will, will lift uh, everyone. Yeah, and so it's uh, that's what we need. So I'd like to see everyone uh, be successful. Our competition and the, the 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 competition for everyone in the distributed space is really the electric grid. Those are the the rates, uh, the rates and the value of the electricity that's being produced. Right, that's what you need to beat. Uh, that's where you need to be competitive uh, to give the kind of paybacks uh, that get people really excited, even those that are not particularly passionate about reducing their environmental footprint or, mm -hmm. or whatever it is, uh, but just say, hey, this just makes sense yeah, financially, financially, right? Because mm -hmm. that's when you really get the volume. So, you know, we've reduced our, we've reduced our uh, LCOEs uh, in a very dramatic fashion. I mean, in the, in the early days, in the first generation, uh, we were up at uh, uh, 30 cents a kilowatt hour, and now uh, we're under 10 cents a kilowatt hour, wow. and uh, on a path down to five cents uh, a kilowatt hour. And that, and we're still early in this game with relatively low volumes, right? Uh, so, as we get into uh, the serious volumes then, that we see, and we, we see that uh, that market opportunity in front of us, uh, it's going to just compound and uh, just takes more and more sense for more and more people. Let's pivot a little bit to your career in wind. So you've been in for a long time, and you've obviously been in, you know, big the big wind side and, and the distributed wind side. You know, with hopefully a lot of uh, green energy jobs being created in the next, you know, five years, it seems like a lot of people are going to be getting into the space and learning some of these technical jobs and some of these, um, you know, very uh, analytical jobs. And obviously, there's still going to be a, a big push for sales and you know, lots and lots of. Uh, just green jobs in general. What would you? What, what advice would you give people who are starting out on their journey in in, in uh, wind power and green energy in general? Mm. Well, you're right. There is there is going to be a lot of opportunity, right? And uh, in fact, we're hiring now, right? And it's difficult to, to find people. Um, when I'm hiring, I don't even I don't expect anyone to have a wind energy background, right? That's just uh, uh, I suppose it depends on the on the position, but uh, senior uh, electrical engineer working on a, a wind turbine, perhaps we may want some expertise, but you know, again, it, generally speaking, we don't necessarily need someone coming specifically from the distributed wind space. So there is a lot of opportunity for um, passionate, smart, bright uh, men and women to jump into the, to the space. Uh, I think, I, you know, I've always tell uh, my, uh, 
kind of my colleagues and uh, friends who have asked me this question as well, because some have wanted to do this, uh, that it's really no different than any other uh, any other industry, right? If you want to get into it, you need to start talking to the people. Sure, you can you can start sending uh, your resumes and all that, but if you don't have an experience in the industry, it's difficult to get attention. What you need to do is you need to to speak. You need to speak to people. Reach out to people uh, like me. And actually, if people have called me, and I'm I'm happy to uh, offer some guidance uh, when that has happened. Uh, but reach out, you know, connect, uh, go to events. I mean, this is it's a little different time now, but uh, reach out, ask questions, be inquisitive. And the opportunities are there. Yeah. And frankly, that's, I mean, when I look back at it, uh, that's how I got in myself, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, your first job, you don't have a background in the space, um, but you find out what's needed and you meet the right people and yeah, doors start to open. Yeah. And especially with COVID, you know, I think a lot of people will be pivoting. And I think there's also probably a lot of people who maybe are a little stir crazy behind a computer and maybe they're like, man, wind turbine tech seems kind of cool or maybe they want to do something industrial i think it'll be interesting to see in the next couple years how how jobs change you know there's there's Mm. days when i look at my window i'm like i just want to go work construction for like a day just just you know be outside right now um you know i think Uh, it comes and goes for everyone by the way (laughs) (laughs) so i'm not i'm not working on terms but sometimes i do want to yeah yeah, let's go let's go let's get out there even if the weather's bad whatever just mm -hmm. for the fun of it right yeah, it's nice to have a balance, I'm sure. And um, so uh, speaking of COVID, I mean, how has your company pivoted? I mean, what's been new? How have you been doing mm-hmm. with it? I mean, everyone's experience is different, right? Like a lot of it's right. kind of business as usual, but mm-hmm. the connectedness of the office is very different. Um, one of the things that I found really interesting is that, you know, people are asking how are promotions going to work, you know, especially if the office goes back partially. So like say a quarter of the company is in the headquarters, and the CEO is mingling with all those people in real life, and then three quarters of the force is remote. Are those three quarters who are remote going to have the same advancement opportunities when they're not sort of like getting the FaceTime and the connectedness? Um, but anyway, a lot of different questions yeah. in there. But how yeah. have you guys been doing with COVID? Well, fortunately, we uh, have largely been able to continue with business as usual uh, with some, some slowdown. Um, but again, our, our market space being farmers and generally, again, speaking for the U.S. market, um, and even though we are selling globally, I primarily focus on the U.S. Uh, farmers being an essential service, they've, they've continued farming uh, as, as usual. So uh, our sales team, uh, we've been able to, and our technical teams, we've been able to continue interacting with them. They're continuing about their daily business the extent that we can, we can, you know, we've communicated by telephone and, and occasionally with some, some zoom videos, uh, uh, video chats and so on, but still largely we just, uh, we connect with, uh, with our customer base. Um, we're meeting them outside anyways. And, uh, so it's, it's not been too much of an impact. I've been very pleasantly uh, surprised that we've been able to do that and continue to grow. In fact, we've, we've seen some of our fastest growth rates, uh, have been in the last, uh, within the last year since COVID has, has hit. So, uh, I'd say largely we're we're doing fine. In terms of our internal culture, in our case, we were already uh, uh, well, more than half the company being remote anyway. So we've got uh, um, we're still a relatively small we're a small company, uh, but uh, our team is was spread out right as we've uh, we've got uh, some folks in Europe and uh, here in the U.S. Uh, headquarters is in Montreal and Canada. Uh, so while we've been able to get together some. Uh, we were all we were all already distant, so the culture hasn't uh, changed too much. Uh, there have been some Im- impacts, uh, including myself. I used to run across the border uh, back and forth, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, now I'm not able to do that. Uh, so you know that's that's unfortunate. And while for me personally, working uh, uh, behind the the screen or remotely that works for me. I have the motivation and, and the passion here and the discipline, I suppose, to be able to do that. I know it's not for everyone. Um, but even me, I'm looking forward to having more uh, in-person time with uh, with my colleagues. It's, you know, I, I think uh, there's no question things are never going to go back, right? I think the yeah. workplace has changed in a way uh, and, and that uh, it's been, a, there's been an accelerated change, right? And we were seeing some of these trends anyways, and this has been, been pushed along. Some of it will return, 
I hope we end up with some sort of hybrid model. I mean, I'm speaking more generally here, and this has nothing to do with that about uh, nothing to do with uh, wind energy. But I hope there's more opportunities for uh, that, that it sticks. Right? We have yeah. these hybrid models where, kind of like in the days, like you said, you want to go out in the field where. Well, there'll be days where it makes sense to go and socialize or, or meet in person with your colleagues and other days where you just want to get your head down and you want to do work right mm-hmm. or you want to do you want to do six hours of remote work and then mountain bike for six hours oh you're right that's hammered uh, out on your own time right <laughs> that's right that's right so last Never question mountain biking here. yeah um well you're up in vermont so you got some good trails up there for sure um yeah, so last question for those who don't know, you know, like there's a lot, I'm sure there's a lot of farmers who don't know that this is a solution. Um, mm-hmm. What is your marketing like? I mean, are you guys like beating down Facebook? Is it a lot of like, how do you get to someone who doesn't know that this is available to them who might have the resources and be interested in it? Mm. You know, this is, so uh, we've been, we've tried uh, some online campaigns and we continue uh, to, to do that to some degree, but frankly, uh, we're old school here and um, reaching, connecting with farmers is an in-person, is an in-person game, right? And it's just a, it's a networking tractor, game. Just, just cruising That's down. Right. You got, you got a couple of tractors with the, <laughs> the full like wrap of logos and all that stuff. That's a good idea, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we haven't done it with the tractor. Who's, now, who's that is, crazy uh, guy selling winter? <laughs> yeah. uh, no, we, uh, but it, it's, it is essentially uh, knocking on doors, uh, calling, um, but it's also about, creating showcase projects in an area and then leveraging that, right? With uh, drone footage, uh, marketing footage, uh, with ribbon cutting events, or just mm-hmm. open house uh, events where the neighbors can come, right? And uh, that's, that, that is the best way to, in, in this case, that's where we found is the best way, the most effective way to reach, uh, reach our customer base. Do you guys uh, like get booths at like, cause, like I lived in central Illinois for yeah. nine years. Do you guys have booths at like the local fair where there's tons? I mean, everyone yeah. who's in agriculture is there. Local agriculture mm-hmm. shows, they're huge. Do you guys uh, show up there? In a normal year, yes. <laughs> we had big plans this year. And so, uh, of course, uh, we're all, they were all canceled. But yes, mm-hmm. uh, it's a great place just to, to have some conversations, answer questions, you know, talk about, hey, does it impact birds and things like that, right? I mean, there, there's a good portion of the population that is still learning the basics right and that's yeah. fine and they just hear what they heard yeah mm-hmm. yeah um and that's okay um i'm just happy that someone's asking the question even if it's you know if i feel like oh god it's this question again right um that's okay um having people curious about it which is what we're seeing right now this is the this is the phase of that evolution in, in rural communities is to that curiosity level and that's that's fantastic couldn't ask for anything more yeah, and what I learned living out there for for nine years, because I'm back in DC now, is uh, they're just great people. Like farm, like we had a lot of farmers. Definitely. I used to uh, work with a lot of baseball and softball players out in the Midwest, and all the families from um, you know the rural areas are just amazing. Just really down to earth, like kind, great people. Brought me farm fresh eggs you know, every once in a while. Yeah. Like you know, they're just yeah. uh, they're just good souls. So it's not oh, a bad market definitely. to be interacting with those people for sure. No, and you know, farmers uh, in general, agricultural industry, you know, is, uh, is the heart of the heart of the country, right? And and uh, uh, provide uh, food on our table, right? This is a, an essential uh, group of people, and often neglected by you know, the larger financial markets and and so on. So for us to be able to do something uh, for the the agricultural community, if you want to call it that, it's a very broad term, but you. Know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, 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 it, it is exciting, right? I mean, and there's, uh, it's not always been easy. Uh, you know, we see that uh, commodity prices uh, going up and down. Um, so here we're giving them a solution where they can save money, right? And uh, bring predictable pricing for the next 30 years, right? On their, on their electricity costs. Now it's, that's only one of their operating costs, but if you can reduce that risk and lock that lock that in because that's essentially what you're doing right you're, you're buying wind turbine you're locking in your electric prices for for uh the next 30 years yeah and for the lifespan of the wind turbine uh that's now one less thing that they need to worry about and uh they'll know they know what to expect so it's a it, it's it's a nice little uh bonus uh, cherry on top for us to be able to do that 
Yeah, and for people who are often at the mercy of Mother Nature and weather, I mean, and right. crop yields, that's, yeah, eliminating uncontrollable variables is, has got to be huge. Well, yep. Paul, where can people follow up with you and with uh, EOCycle? Sure. Well, of course, they can head to our website, uh, eocycle.com, and uh, can reach out to me on there uh, very easily. I can be reached by email, and uh, we're still a small team, so uh, if you send an email, uh, it's a good chance it's me that answers. All right. And uh, any social media handles or anywhere else you'd like to direct folks? Uh, we are on uh, Facebook uh, right now and LinkedIn. Uh, they're most active. Uh, we are in the process of uh, growing those and expanding on that as well. So I think uh, you'll and see you more have, of us uh, out there. And you guys have a couple of YouTube videos as well that shows uh, some of your turbines and stuff like that. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So we will link to those in the description below. So whether you're listening on podcast uh, platform or you're watching so on YouTube, uh, we'll link those below so you can easily click through. Well, Paul, thanks so much for the conversation. Really appreciate um, you know your time the other day. We had a long pre-call getting ready for the show and for your time today. It was, a, it was a great conversation. Great. Thanks, Dan. It was a pleasure to be here. All right. That's going to do it for our episode of the Upside Podcast. I want to thank again our guest, Paul Dawson from EOCycle. So be sure to check out the link in the description, uh, whether you're listening to uh, uh, this on YouTube or podcast land. Uh, be sure to check out their company. You can click through easily for their social media, their main website, and be sure to subscribe here uh, for the Uptime Podcast, whether you're on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen, and leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Help spread the show. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you here next time on the Uptime Podcast. Is downtime causing you financial pain and putting a stop to your power production for months on end? It's no secret, lightning strike damage is a major cause of wind turbine downtime. This damage is preventable with our easy-to-install strike tape lightning protection system for wind turbine blades. Our incredible engineering, build quality, materials, and edge sealants withstand up to five times more abuse in the toughest weather and lightning conditions. And we've got the research to prove it. If you're tired of constant downtime, we can help. Reach out to us at weatherguardwind.com and schedule a free call. We'll get your uptime back in no time.